Carol, welcome to the Inroads podcast. I am so excited to have you here. You are the founder and owner of DBG Promotions, and we're going to get into that as well as all of the other wonderful ways that you impact the community. I think one of the things that I find most special about you being on here is not only are you a powerhouse female, you are the Inroads' very first female leader. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about that as well as your journey there. So welcome. Thank you, Carrie. Glad to be here. So let's start back, Carol, as a little girl. Go back to five years old and look at yourself now. If you were driving in a car and you were to look back at your five-year-old self and she were to say to you, this is how I feel about what you're doing now, what would she say? She'd be blown away. Yeah? Because I, I was an insecure five-year-old. Hmm. I was a five-year-old who didn't play well with my peers. I was a young one in the group. Okay. I was the August birthday. Uh, and uh. so the group in my class were extremely competitive, and I became more of a wallflower than mm. anything else. So to see where I am, I often think of my father passed away about six years ago. He used to say, it just blows me away. I always knew you had it in you, wow. but you did not. And at five, hmm. I struggled. What, what is it? If you were to describe yourself or if he were to describe you now and what those traits or attributes are, what would he, what would they be? Oh, I think it's clearly a lifelong learner. Yeah. I'm just a seeker. I, I want to learn about whoever's in front of me, what makes them tick. That's a huge thing. I'm passionate. I mean, I was always passionate about things as a young person, but they didn't always mesh with my peers, you know, which I was the math major. I was, mm. you know, in a group of men, I was the one or two females in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and I think those things, that passion of the things that bring me joy mm -hmm. and that need to continue to learn mm -hmm. every day in all sorts of ways, I think he saw those portions of myself. And I think he also saw himself in me. Mm. I think he probably also struggled as a young person, became a dynamic business leader and a thought yeah. leader. And I think that came along later in his life as it has in mine. How much do you think him being a thought leader and a business leader has inspired that in you? Because you are very much as well that for a lot of people. Well, I had great examples. Not only he, not only my father, but my grandfather on my mother's side was a huge philanthropist. He made it possible in his community to make sure that the hospital thrived by providing oh. housing for young doctors. I mean, he hmm. had a, a passion and a drive and a charitable side. He was very smart. He worked hard. He was the CEO of a big company in New York. And when he retired, he took that passion and he mm -hmm. made it philanthropic. My father, similar. He, along his work career, gave back to community initiatives and things that he was passionate about. So I had great examples yeah. right at home and I had great exposure. I might have been insecure at the time, but I really, when you put it all together, yeah. I don't think it comes as a huge surprise to those who were, my parents or say, maybe more of a surprise to me because I didn't see what they could see back then. Do you, in, in the roles that you play now and in the relationships that you have, you're very much a connector and supporter of others. And I can see almost the way you described your father and your grandfather. I see the, I would describe you that way, the mm -hmm. same way that you did them. Where do you think your confidence level shifted? And then I want to get into the wallflower piece, but over the course of your career, was it or just life in general, was it something that happened or was it an evolution or was it coming into your own? Like, where do you think that confidence changed? Total evolution. Yeah. I think 
slowly I became willing to say yes to opportunities that were outside of my wheelhouse. I think that it, the, starting with the smallest ask from a community board, it was, uh, I think, around athletics at Rollins. Okay. Would you get involved in the anchor club? Sure. Yeah. I met Thursdays. It was a group of people. I wasn't really, I was the non, you know, I didn't do athletics in college. I was athletic. I was really the fan mm -hmm. in the group. And that was out of my wheelhouse, but I showed up each time and I thought I, I, I participated in ways to bring, you know, the spirit into the, the, the athletics at Rollins, mm -hmm. ways to promote scholarships for athletes, ah. things like that. But it was a yes years ago yeah. that just was an opportunity. I thought, well, you know, I'd like to participate. Don't know where to start. I better say yes somewhere. And that has led, at least in my my work with Rollins, that was the first step in what became very many at this point yeah. as I sit on the board of trustees. And so as you're saying yes to opportunities, would you say that that has been one of the secret weapons to being able to open door after door, that trait? And if you were to describe the attributes that follow that, because people could say yes, but they could do it and either not show up or they could do it, it could be the wrong yes. How, how do you define your yes? Well, you have to show up. If you're going to say yes, you have to be willing to fail at something. Yeah. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. Do I think I could do it? Like, I, I was offered an opportunity to serve on a presidential search committee for uh, Rollins, which brought in our current president, Grant Cornwell. And I'd never done anything like that. I represented the alumni. I said, yes, it was a heavy hitting group of uh, people, different constituencies, reading 40 page resumes and talking to these leaders of colleges and institutions around the country. It was fascinating. Yeah. But I was willing to show up and do the homework to be sitting mm -hmm. at the table to ask the questions or hear the answers. Yeah. Out of that, I ended up speaking in front of uh, a large crowd at, at uh, President Cornwell's wow. inauguration. Never have I thought I would stand on stage and represent a whole constituency welcoming a new president to a college. Again, another yes yeah. that I was totally out of my wheelhouse. I was, I wouldn't say I was an extrovert at that time. I would say most would say I'm now more extroverted than I used to be. Yeah. And again, I found that I could speak from the heart. Do you, do you feel like the values or the attributes that you've had, because you mentioned that your parents would have described you that way, but you've seen certain segments of your personality accentuated or come out different ways. Do you think the attributes that make somebody a strong leader or a strong female leader change over time? Or do you think that it is one that each experience teaches you? For me, it's been one experience after the other. And they, it, there's been kind of a pathway of doors that open. Mm. And I don't think I did everything perfectly, but I think I did enough where my passion about the subject matter, mm. my passion about the people I was serving with, the feeling that we are all responsible to give back to the communities we live in, I believe. Yeah. I mean, even in the smallest, sharing your talents, treasures, mm. and time mm -hmm. is kind of the, the mindset that, to me, nurtured this part of me I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. So those yeses gave me opportunities that I did things I didn't think I could do, which led to more opportunities that led to me to be a part of more thought leaders and a part of more things. And as we've discussed, my I have my work life. I have I've, I've raised a family there. Yeah. I'm an empty nester. I have this philanthropic. I don't even it's, it's just like areas I'm passionate mm -hmm. about that have great synergy.
I'm very particular about the things that I do. And when I find something that I can get really excited about, I'm all in, both feet. And I hear you saying passion. And I think a lot of times there is, it takes courage to follow that. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to be told that you should be doing something else or that people project out there. So maybe a mentor along the way may have tried to deter you from it or just maybe not have been so supportive. When you are looking at the passions that you have, how did you stay so true to the core of that without either distractions or without anybody overstepping your boundaries or or how did you hold your own as you as you nurtured those passions? I had to say no to some opportunities because I can't I only have 24 hours in a day, although it seems like maybe I cram in a little bit more than, yeah. than, than I need to in some of those times. But, you know, I think whatever I have chosen to do, and, and early on it might have been being a class parent mm -hmm. for one of my children's classes or the lacrosse mom head mom, you know, it, whatever I did, I was willing to make sure I had the time to do it. And if it was something that I enjoyed and I was yeah. excited about, I loved supporting my children and the things they did. So those were easy yeses. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, it's not taking on too much yeah. where I would limit how well I can do in the things that I'm a part of. I, I think it's time management yeah. and and following the doors that open in a way that nurture my insights, I yeah. think, more than anything else. I think one of the things that I love most about you is you do have this confidence about you. And I know that, you know, maybe that was evolutionary, but you have blazed paths. You have owned who you are. You have helped others own who they are. You've been you've been really inspiring in that way. But I, I almost think that you don't know that you've been that inspiring and that it might have been part of your intention to take care of people and serve people in the communities and that's your way of doing it, but you've really made a significant impact. When you when you look at the yeses that you've said that open doors for you and you've been around some of these tables and been a part of some of these movements, do you ever feel like you have imposter syndrome? Totally. I mean, I always say <laughs> it's so funny because I, I the biggest thing that's come in the last probably 10 years is I really truly believe in my core that I'm not here by accident. Yeah. But for a long time, I'm like, if they only knew, you know, <laughs> and because I didn't have the experience to go with some of the yeses I made. Yeah. But I found that we're all, even the most talented people are, you know, have a life to live. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's always something to connect yeah. with another with. So yeah, I've, I've certainly had it. And, you know, my husband was always, quite good at saying, you know, you're not there by accident. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and and I believe that today. I'm, I'm not afraid or fearful. But again, it's that part of being willing to take the risk. Yeah. Maybe it, I end up at a table that I'm, over, you know, just it's over my head. Then I, you know, I can deal with that. But that's okay, right? That's okay. So what's worse that's going to happen? Well, it's a learning experience. Yeah. And that lifelong learner purse, I just may be there for some other reason. So one of the things that I would, if I'm in somebody's shoes that's either an emerging female entrepreneur or somebody that is looking up to you right now, or somebody that's looking to you for inspiration, regardless where they're at in their life, and I'm listening to this, part of me is thinking, you have a quest for learning, you are going to show up and you're going to do the part, you're going to do the homework, but you also don't seem like you're afraid to fail. Right. Where does that come from? Well, I just, it can be real. I mean, I think... I think obviously I, I, I have some fear to fail. I've found though that when I put my attentions in a way and I and I truly am authentic about what sure. I'm passionate about, it's never a fail. Mm. 
it might be a misstep or mm-hmm. a path that takes me a little astray, yeah. but but there's always an opportunity attached to it that opens up yet another door. Yeah. So it's just, it's from experience. What I, what I say to the women that I speak to that might be in college today is, you know, make sure you, you can allocate your time appropriately. You don't want to step into a yes that you, that's so far out of your time right. frame there's certain opportunities that come that will be that way because you want to be able to do the best you can to give authentically of yourself and yeah. whatever you say yes to because then what happens can be quite magical. I remember when I was the co-chair of the alumni board and you were a part of the alumni community and I remember when I had to make the decision to step back I was embarrassed and I was afraid to say it. I was newly married. I was going to have a baby. I was still trying to get my master's. I was, you know, still in the community of trying to just make like new career, but you made in a way a safe place. And even when we talk about it now, and we look back, I think about how, when you talk to people on the board about my situation, you say it with such pride that it encourages me to almost borrow that confidence where otherwise I think a lot of females that are either trying to start families or have to put up boundaries to time and say no. I think that we all we don't want to fail other people. We don't want to disappoint other people. And so we let them in more or we take on more than we otherwise should. And so I've always appreciated that you've had that ability to own it with pride and know your place and know your time. Like, you know, you at this point in life, empty nester, you've got more time and you can own that differently. And I think knowing in our lives that it's, it's everything is evolving and it's not as linear as we sometimes believe it is, right? Exactly. Well, I thought, great case in point with you, stepping off of the alumni board when you did, it made sense to me because of what was your priorities and what should have been your priorities at that time. Yeah. Didn't mean that you weren't a terrific alumni, that you wouldn't cycle back through at some point. I knew you had a gift that would be nurtured and available when the time permitted. Yeah. But you can't, we can't be everything that, you know, I think I sometimes feel that people expect women particularly mm-hmm. to be able to just do it all. Yeah. And we have to make decisions that yeah. are right for our families, for our job, for you know, that work, life and play yes. portion of things. You have to have the whole well-being yes. intact in order to do well the things that we choose to do. And that is a great point. I love that because we are whole people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people will consider, okay, this is my title and this is my identity, my brand here, that I'm a mom here or that I'm a wife here. I think that we can compartmentalize who we are, but what I think makes, in your case especially too, again, it was a great role model example for me is you are a whole person Mm -hmm. and it's life integrated. It may not be life balanced all the time. Sometimes you may work more, you may, you know, focus more into lean into the motherhood part or whatever it may be. But you have had this ability to allow every aspect of your life to support and flourish the rest of them. So all the pieces fit together. And it's almost fascinating because it's the same way you see the connectedness in the community and all the initiatives. You've been able to do that within yourself in a way that I think a lot of people would really want to figure out how to do that. So how do you think you do that so easily or so well? Well, I think I have a group of friends who I have an intimate relationship with where they know who I am on my insides. I can run these things by them. Mm. I a lot of times don't make decisions just arbitrarily on my own. I'll say, 
here's what I've been offered. Here's what I'm doing. You know, knowing me, yeah. do you think this is something I can take on or am I going to drive myself off a cliff yeah. <laughs> with this? Yes. You know, having that that friendship group mm -hmm. beyond family, yep. obviously having a solid family is important, but I think having, being aware that I struggled as a kid, you know, I, 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 I had struggles that have required having a group around me mm. to support me emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all those things have made me better at the things I say yes to. And you, you're allowed to say no, but may I ask, when you say struggles as a kid? I just was insecure. My parents mm. got divorced when I was eight. I was the oldest. I Oh, I was dyslexic. And that was in a time in the 70s where dyslexia isn't as mm. so known as today. Yeah. So in sixth grade, I had a first grade reading level and I was considered careless, wow. not dyslexic, because that was not something that was normal. So I had some struggles that contributed to having an inside that was insecure, feeling less than and yeah. things like that. And yet I still went to college and got a good education and I certainly was employable. Yeah. But I think some of those those inside parts of me took some time to work out, work their way through so that I could be the best solid person yeah. taking towards my children or my family. And then, of course, towards my job and the things now that are I'm very aware of who I am inside and out. Yeah. And when I can be, when I'm not authentic, I can, mm -hmm. feel, it, can feel it and yeah. I'm aware of it. And so I want to be in anything that I do, authentic to my belief system, mm -hmm. willing to say the uncomfortable thing, okay. which is very difficult, particularly in this day and age that's so polarized and yeah. political to say, you know, to really talk about how do we advance an initiative that keeps everybody under the tent belonging yep. when there's such division. And I can say those uncomfortable things. I don't have to agree with everything around me, but I don't have to disrespect you sure. or feel that your view is is somehow less than mine. So consensus building, it's, it's, I think it comes from having struggled, comes from having nurtured my insides and, and having a good spiritual feeling that the world is much bigger than just little old me. I think so. It's funny you mentioned belonging. So as you were describing yourself, I'm imagining you at those very pivotal ages where your self-esteem, your self-confidence, your reflection of self, sense of self is being developed, not just from a perspective of the outside world looking in, but also just the brain development where you were at at that point. And the very first word that came to mind was belonging. I, if I put myself in your shoes, I would feel like I would be asking, where do I belong? Where do I fit? Right. And what's so fascinating is that full circle. Now you are helping people belong and you are helping them fit and you're doing it at a massive scale. And it's not even because you're intending to go out and be, I don't think you're intentionally like saying, this is my goal. I want to be on all of these boards and I want to, you know, and you are doing it out of sheer authenticity for your passions. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've talked a lot about finding that core. And when you live with that core, you're pulled more to do something than being pushed. And it ignites something in you that others pick up and catch up. Like they get, they catch fire with you about those same things. How do you, you know, you said you can feel it if you're not being authentic with yourself. Somebody were to start the journey of trying to connect more with themselves in that authentic way. 
sometimes there are barriers. Sometimes there are things we don't want to admit about ourselves. Sometimes there's things we have to process and pain that's there that blocks that. How, what would you say to somebody to help them become more in line with their authentic self? You have to practice. Mm. I think you have to be willing. And I think this is where particularly females are great. And when I find a male leader that does this, I'm like, yes, yeah. this is great. You have to be willing to put your emotional self out there mm. in a way. It's being vulnerable. It's, I don't know, it's subtle. I'm willing to be vulnerable and tell you how it feels, mm -hmm. you know, in any given situation. And to me, I can speak from the heart and therefore yeah. that's authentic. Yeah. People feel it. I mean, yeah. when when you can tell in a conversation where somebody goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, I'm down a, you know, I'm down a rocky road. I'm obviously not speaking from my core. Yeah. You know, it's it's picking up on those social cues of others. I think slowly I've practiced. I've also become okay at age as I'm approaching 60 this year. I've become comfortable in my own skin when mm. I used to not be. And mm. so then I can communicate it in a different way. But I've been comfortable in my own skin for quite some time. Yeah. I wouldn't be functioning in the groups that I'm functioning in, taking those risks without having some comfort. Yeah. I think if if you look at the people that you've connected to and the network that you've built, but you also mentioned the friends that you have close that are very supportive, trusting, out for your best interests, so to where you can feel safe enough to be your authentic self when you're trying things on for size, right? And trying to figure out what the risk is. You are supporting one another. And I think in when you're female and you're trying to find your road and your path, a lot of times females don't support other females or they're threatened by them or they're jealous of them or they want to rise to the top first. And I hear that females, and I've experienced it in, in you know some instances growing up, females are hard to get along with. Yet here we are, <laughs> friends years later. How, for somebody that is looking for advice on how to connect with other females and how to build that network of, of support around them in the same way that you have. How would you recommend they go about doing that? Well, I think if you're open to it, you find those people. Mm. I, I, I don't get lost in the personalities. Yeah, It's like the principle of the conversation is more important than the personality sitting in front of me. And, and I've found that it's that intuitive self. It's yeah. like when somebody calls and says, I really want you to come and have lunch. I want to introduce you to somebody. I never know what that might lead to. Yeah. And I've found that that I'm led to those that think similarly, that mm. that approach the world in the same way. Yeah. And I was wanted to just tap back to what you said, you know, that friend group tells me the truth. They're willing mm. to tell me the thing I don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to hear it. Mm. And so that opens up a place of safety. And I think you don't always find that with friends yeah. and you don't always find that. I find that I, I am attracted to people who behave that way and yeah. who integrate and work in those ways. And then there's so much more growth when that happens. Sure. You know, so I kind of tie that kind of back yeah. into all of it in one way or I, another. And I think your leadership in that, even in the friendship dynamic alone, what you just said is they are willing to give it to you, but you are willing to hear it. And sometimes people are too afraid of hurting other people's feelings. And a lot of times it's either projection or it's because they have gone down that road and they have hurt that friend's feelings before and everything just shuts down, right? And so the communication about that, but the ownership of I'm going to own me, 
you own you. What you think and feel is okay, but that's your opinion. I may or may not agree, mm -hmm. but I want to hear it anyway mm -hmm. because I want to grow and develop. And it's that natural curiosity and learning mm -hmm. sense that you said from the beginning, which is so interesting how it all ties together. Mm -hmm. So you raised a company. Mm -hmm. You raised a marriage. Mm -hmm. You raised kids. Mm -hmm. You raised a community. Mm -hmm. All at the same time. Talk to me about that work-life balance piece. Talk to me about what that was like and, and you know, some of maybe the harder times that other people might be going through now and, and what was that feeling like for you? It, you know, I kind of sit back and I look at it and I feel so blessed that I've had all these opportunities. I, in looking as my children got older, I was aware that the time was coming where I won't be on the lacrosse field every weekend. Yeah. And I, it, it, there's, there's a gaping hole that comes from being a really involved parent, even a working parent. Yeah. You know, I knew that time was coming. And as things kind of transpired, I knew that my identity wasn't just wrapped up in being Jack and Chris's mommy, mm -hmm. you know, or mother or whatever, you know, that I was, I was going to need to nurture other areas of my life in a way that's balanced. So mm -hmm. even during the years when like Jack was approaching college, it's about the time I started on the alumni board, mm -hmm. perfect timing. He ended up going to Rollins. <laughs> that works. Yeah. And so it was great. And, but those kind of things just kind of naturally evolved. And I became really focused on finding joy in my life so mm -hmm. that I didn't kind of feel the loss of not having children mm -hmm. at home. I have I have friends that I know who have gone into like declines, yeah. like now what am I going to be or who? And I thought how blessed I am that I've had the opportunity to find other things beyond just being a mom yeah. or a business owner. I don't know if that even follows along with what you're saying, but it yeah. really, my big focus is I want the next 10 years. So from 60 to 70, mm -hmm. I'm telling you my age, <laughs> from 60 to 70, you'd be the most amazing 10 years. I'm having the opportunity at this point now to do what I couldn't do in my 20s mm. when I didn't have a family. Yeah, I'm getting to explore the world when I have time. I'm getting to go to conferences on topics that are interesting to me or spiritual retreats sure, or, yeah. you know, I want this next 10 years to be a joyful period of time where I'm engaged in all levels as I age hmm. so that I want to be one of those rocking out 80 year olds yes. at, the Mayflower. <laughs> at the Mayflower. I'm saving my dollars right now <laughs> to be, you know, there's some great thinkers over there, yeah. some amazing women at the Mayflower who have led interesting mm -hmm. lives. I want to be in that same group at 80 yeah. and it's going to take involvement and following my passions in the next 10 years to be there. And that still goes... That's the long game. It goes back to the you staying true to the root of you. Right. And then you knowing who that is and you not budging off of what that is. And there are things that you probably could have done differently with your life that would have been off the passion path. Could have, you know, maybe wanted to move somewhere or it could have been about a paycheck or a title, but it hasn't been about any of that for you. So how do you define success? I sleep well at night. Yeah, Okay. I, I go to bed reviewing my day, knowing where I might need to make an amends or mm. fix something that I might have misstepped earlier in the day. Yeah. I'm willing to do that. And I go to bed comfortable in my own skin and I yeah. sleep. I, I, I don't know. It seems so silly and minor, but, you know, it just to me, I approach each day in the awe of what might happen. Mm. I'm, a, I'm really a glass overflowing type, <laughs> but really I think about 
when I'm asked to like meet somebody for lunch. I think we talked about this a, a week or so ago. I was asked by a friend who I was worked with at Rollins. She was in development at Rollins and she wanted me to meet these two gals. And one of them has started a organization that helps dyslexics. Mm. Now, she didn't know I was dyslexic. Mm -hmm. She didn't know that I had a child that struggled with dyslexia. And she didn't know the journey that I had with that child and the lengths to which oh, I went no. to make sure I leveled the playing field for him so that he could achieve whoever he was going to be. Because yeah. I knew it was a struggle for me. She didn't know any of that. And one of my thought processes with that was that when I was in that frame with my son was how do people who can't afford to seek these services help a child? Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, that would be a great thing. Well, this woman had a child like mine mm -hmm. and she'd taken it one step further. Mm. She'd put together an organization that's wow. that's actually training teachers in the Orange County public school system in a manner of teaching Ortham Gillingham, mm. which really helps phonetic learning. It, it really helps all students, yeah. but particularly those that have dyslexic tendency. And she's taken that thought I had years ago and has taken it one step further. I walked out of that lunch like God really put me in a place that she didn't know she was meeting somebody who had all the same experience and yeah. fears around our child. I go about each day looking for those opportunities that I'm that that maybe I'll be of service for somebody else or maybe somebody else has been put in my path to somehow be of service sure. in my life. I just never know. It's the thing that keeps me joyful yeah. and in awe. And it kind of circles back to that saying yes and mm -hmm. being willing to be open. It's a little bit on the spiritual side. It's, you know, it's it's warm and fuzzy, but but it's, it's a not. great way to live. It's it, it but if, think about this, the amount of times that you've listened to your yes or accepted something unknown to be curious, to follow your passion, how many times has that worked out for you? Almost every single time. So, it's not actually the soft stuff. It actually is legitimately in your favor every time. So, you have a trend of facts and data behind you that say this works. And so, I think I think certain people are either open to following those signs or they're not. They're open mm -hmm. to appreciating them and accepting them. Mm -hmm. We laughing earlier, calling it woo. <laughs> well, it is woo. Like earlier today, we're eating lunch out there, and 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 I've been talking to you about other women I want you to meet, and, and one, one of them walks up. right yeah. up, and it's probably the top one on my list. I serve under. She's the CEO of the Winter Park yeah. Chamber, and I serve on her board. And she is amazing what she's done in Winter Park for commerce and yeah. for the businesses and her advocacy work in Tallahassee for arts and culture, which connects to my Florida Council on yep. Arts and Culture. And there she was. And I thought, well, there you go. Yep. There's another, another example, example. <laughs> that it, it, that's what, ha but that's what happens to me all the yes. time, but I'm really open to it. Right. And how many times do you think if you're somewhere that is successful, however you define that, but you're in the right place at the right time and you look back at what had to connect to make that moment happen or make that meeting happen. I mean, even think about this. We had planned this three weeks ago. Schedules didn't allow. Then we had one shift because one person wanted to be here live. Now we're here today. That happened four days ago. Yeah. And she was here the same time you were here. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And the, I call them the silver lining moments. When you look at how life's blueprint unfolds around you. And it, if you, to me, what's interesting is if you follow it, it, it takes you to a certain place. And it always ele seems to elevate 
what your purpose is mm-hmm. and who you're supposed to be deep down. And I think listening to that is also really important. And I think it takes practice to listen to yeah. that because I, I think it's available for everyone. Yeah. It's not like, you know, a Tyler Henry, you know, medium experience. That's it's not, it's, sense, though. but you, it is an intuitive yes. kind of situation yep. that happens. But I also think it, for me, it great, gives me great comfort in times of struggle because yeah. I mean life is life I mean we don't all go through life without challenges and mm-hmm. and heartbreak and grief and loss and joy you know so I think of those things as as it to me helps me in the times of struggle and it brings it, it I can be in a time of struggle today and still have joy in my yeah. life and, and that's a really nice place to be able to navigate the world. It's, I think the recognition of some of those silver lining moments and tying that to gratitude, even when you're in times of struggle, it gives you hope because you will take anything that is a signal. Like I remember going through some of my own challenging times and I, I, a neighbor would drop off, you know, mm-hmm. cupcakes at the door or somebody would just text and say, hey, I'm thinking of you, you're okay. And I said to myself, hang on to these. These are the things that if you can attach gratitude for, it will pull you forward. Mm-hmm. And I might not have known my way. I might not mm-hmm. have known what the next day was going to bring. Some days I might not have thought I could get out of bed. But if I focused on those little connector points of people showing up or little signs that there's life ahead, just keep going. Just mm-hmm. keep going. It was, it was, it's really powerful when you think about it that mm-hmm. way. So when you think about women leadership and how you've crafted, created your life and inspired others, how would you advise an emerging young female who may want to be an entrepreneur, community leader, influencer, networker, connector, how, what advice would you give for her at this day to be the best and put herself in the position to be you when she's almost 60, when at certain point down the line, because I'm sure there's many people that would look and say, I want everything that you've done the way you've done it. What would you say? Look for the networks that you can be a part of immediately. I think of Rollins students and the alumni network there. There, there are mentors that are uh, for other alumni. I think of one of our uh, board members who works in fashion in New York and mentors student after mm. student. In your experience, whether it be an institution or an athletic group or whatever, there are networks there and there's activators that can help you in the mm-hmm. early days. I speak to math, female math majors, you know, the, okay. when mm-hmm. the when yep. a professor says, can I bring them over? I said, please do, because mm-hmm. I don't think I could have orchestrated all these things, nor did I know what was out there for me. I yeah. wasn't going to graduate school. I wasn't going to be an engineer and, you know, but I was a math major and I understand, you know, before computers, <laughs> before there were personal computers, I should have been born 10 years later. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> it would have been a totally different life. But, you know, I think look for the network that you have. Look for the mentors. Don't be afraid to ask somebody for help. Mm. You know, I, I was thinking that um, I was mentored on the Rollins board by our former chair who sadly passed away of cancer. And we have a new board chair who you've spoken to. Mm-hmm. And he's my new mentor mm. because he has so much experience and wealth of knowledge. And we, as chair of nominating in the, the board that I'm on, he's the, the chair and I'm the chair of nominating. So there's great synergy yeah. there. And I'm not afraid to look to him for guidance for experience. Yeah. I don't know it all. Yeah. I don't begin to profess that I know it and all. And you don't it doesn't seem like you feel like you have to. I don't. No, I don't. And I'm I really want to learn. Right. I mean, I gotta 
so much from connecting with our former chair who was really into the academics and governance. It's probably why I'm in nominating and governance chair at this point. You know, that connection put me in a way of going to conferences mm. around college issues, which, because I'm that lifelong learner, yeah. I'm the one that wants to go to the, <laughs> you know, conference and sit through enrollment and marketing and development and, yeah. and you know, risk management for colleges. It's not my job, but that, you know what I mean? That's yeah. the fun. That brings back that education. She nurtured that. Now, our new chair, Rick, is going to be a totally different experience that I have no idea which direction it will take me. But you're open to it. But I'm open to it today as I had to be along the way. And so yeah. for a younger person, I would say look to the networks that you're participating in. Look for the person that you can say, hey, you know, I'd love yeah. to have coffee. You know, yeah. it doesn't, you know, I'd love to just pick your brain about the direction I'm headed or, you know, don't be afraid to ask for for entrance into their circle of influence, particularly if you found the right person to connect yeah. with. You can't go everywhere and go, I want to, you know, I want to be in yeah. your circle of influence. And, you know, you have to kind of look amongst your networks of people. Maybe it's your best friend's parents mm. that might be able to be of a guiding right. force. It, it can come in all sorts of different places. I think if you listen to that intuition, we have ebbed and flowed for must be 20 years. Uh, I think it's longer than that. You were one of my first employees. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, you were really early on. I had just brought in a few salespeople wow. from, from a, a larger firm and I was looking for a sales assistant for one of the high producers that I'd brought on staff and you were that person. So, so you were young and I was years, you know, there, I just had one of those light bulb dot moments. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily going to talk about this, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it now because I'm going to go take it back to where we are today. So I worked for you. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we experienced, <laughs> uh, I was, as you said, the sales assistant and I'm not very detail oriented and I, I just wasn't born to be an assistant. Right. So the only time I've ever been let go <laughs> was maybe sitting across the table just like this. It was this. me. <laughs> Clearly I was wrong. Just look at where, no, I'm just, you know, no, no it, at that time it was the right decision for my business. Yeah. It was the right decision for you. Yep. And, and what I remember about that was how you handled that. And what's serendipitous to me is my career. I didn't know then it was going to go into HR, how many people I would have to let go. <laughs> but I distinctly remember my very first termination or some of the harder ones that I was most afraid of, like single mom that mm -hmm. wasn't performing. Mm -hmm. You have to do what you have to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember the way that you carried our conversation and how that stuck with me. And so I was never mad and I hated more. I felt like I let you down in some ways, but I think I always had respect and I always knew that it was the right decision. And you brought it forward in such a way that I think shaped me instead of abandoned me. Right. right. So then you fast forward to us coming together at the Rollins board, what, like a decade later. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, that's, that's Carol. I should be, I should be afraid because what if, what she's seeing me come on the board, what if she tells people that I'm not detail oriented or what if she, but I felt like I wasn't afraid. I actually felt like I had an advocate, somebody that would help me always tell me the truth. Let me know when I was and wasn't pulling my weight, what I could do better, what I could not. I almost felt like more of a kinship and a trust factor. Then we go back and forth through a couple more years. You know, you're one of the first people I called when I opened my business. Mm because I'd always looked up to you doing your own thing, being a mom, mm -hmm. running it. And when we reconnected for one of those lunches, 
last year, late, late, whenever it was. About yeah. a year ago, probably. It was, it was that I wanted to seek and absorb and borrow more of your confidence and understand more of what you went through. And I was not afraid to say, I might be lost. I don't know what I'm doing. And what did you go through? If you remember, I was asking you that. I said, did you feel, how did you ask for business? And how did you go out and start selling yourself? And you just, your stories and your responses were so fascinating. But I find it so amazing that we've been on this journey. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for it, by the way. It, it really has meant a lot to me. But I think that your example of what other women should do is you've lived it. Mm -hmm. It is authentic. It is it is who you are. And it is, I'm a living example of what that's looked like. I think it's hard when you have to let somebody go, particularly if you, you like the person. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have to make decisions that are right for the business. I mean, yeah. bottom line, I would love to carry along everybody, yep. you know, particularly, particularly those. And I think we sometimes make decisions. We take longer to make these decisions because yeah. of the way we feel as people. I know when you got to the alumni board, I think I was on there and I was actually rolling up to the trustees pretty shortly thereafter. So I remember just being excited to see Aww. who you were at that time because I was 19 once <laughs> and I would not want to query any of the people I worked to work for in my 20s because I, I just was all over the place. Yeah. I was just, you know, I just didn't, I hadn't matured enough to be a good employee. I, it wasn't my goal to be the best. I just, I hadn't matured. And so for me, I completely understood a, a young person in their early years not fitting a certain role. But mm -hmm. I think it's it's been really interesting because then I have that midpoint where I, I saw you at that point and you rolled off and I agreed with your decision. It was the right thing for you and your family and the mm -hmm. things that you were doing. And I was pretty impressed that you were going for this added degree and all that. I mean, I thought, whoa, what a powerhouse. I was like, whoo, you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of exciting. And then to have you circle back a year later, I think we had an hour lunch that went three hours yeah. because yeah. it was like, oh my gosh, you yeah. know, because there is when you find another soul mm -hmm. that you can connect to on these on a human from the heart side particularly when we're in business yeah. and we're women and we're out there in the competitive field and things like that an hour lunch can never be an hour lunch then yeah. and and so to me it's been great a joyful thing to reconnect with you well i am wanting to just tell you you have seen things in me that i may not have seen much like you said your parents did you. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for that because I've had to cling to them at certain cases. And in a lot of ways, had you not seen them the way that you did, I don't know that I ever would have found them. And I don't know that I'd be here doing what I'm doing right now. So I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. I want to close with actually talking about this women's collaborative that mm -hmm. we are working on. So from your perspective, tell us a little bit about what that is and what you're most looking forward to. I'm not sure what it's going to be. And that's kind of part of that awe part. I think when you get two or three women who have a circle of influence or people other that they know other women like the one like Betsy yeah, we ran yeah. into out there, you know, she's one. And then that day that we sat down and talked, I'd had that lunch mm -hmm. with or breakfast, I guess that was another three hour conversation yeah. with uh, uh, the head of the Reed Fa uh, Charitable Foundation, I thought, oh, there's another female. I don't know exactly, except to bring, kind of have a think tank mm -hmm. of like-minded, or even not always like-minded, but but passionate mm -hmm. innovators 
thought disruptors, mm-hmm. bringing that group together. I'm not sure where it will lead, but I'm really excited to be a part of it. And from your perspective, why is it important that it's also focused on the female side? It's like no boys allowed, but we are going for a group that is going to pick some initiative. Again, we don't know what yet Mm -hmm. to make some difference on a scale that is full of synergy and a greater whether it's the Orlando, Florida, either whatever, whatever it ends up to be, we're looking for something that we can do as a unit that makes a difference. And so why, why females specifically? I think we're nurturers. Mm. I think we have a component that differs from our male counterparts. And I love working with men and women. So I'm, I'm yeah. not like a, a militant yeah. female, but there's a nurturing side to us that I think when brought into business, mm-hmm can be quite electric. It's very people centric. Mm -hmm. It's and I look at financials all day long. So there's always a part of that. But I think it the greater good happens when we're focused on nurturing people. Yeah. And I see that in a group of women, at least every single one that I I'm in my circle Mm -hmm. and then meeting ones that you've engaged with. I'm like, there's, there's a purpose here Mm -hmm. to move something forward and connect some dots amongst different industries, different people, different experiences from the entrepreneur to the C-suite female, Mm -hmm. to the association CEO, to the philanthropist. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't all have to have the same story to really find something passionate about and lift up a group of people. And maybe I would hope mentor a generation behind us too. I think mentoring is really important. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, I can't wait to see where that goes for all of us. It's going to be really exciting. And maybe, maybe we'll be able to have them on and we can hear about their stories here. And then we can also talk about whatever initiative we decide, what that was like to make that difference, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But thank you again for making a difference for me and for so many other people. And thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. 